Welcome to Bible Bros, a podcast for people looking to grow in their spiritual walk. Join your host as we study and discuss the Word of God. These conversations will be raw, honest, and imperfect. We can't wait to get into the Word with you. Welcome back to Bible Bros. I'm Justin. And I'm Matt. And today we have a guest on. And so we're going to start in prayer and let's get it started. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for everything that you've blessed in our lives. Thank you for friends and thank you for our listeners. Be with everybody and let them hear with open ears and open mind and an open spirit in your holy and precious son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today we have a guest. We have Stacy Fox. He's one of our friends. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good to be here. Uh, go ahead and tell us, uh, tell the listeners about yourself. I mean, you don't have to tell us because we, we pretty much know your story. Oh, I'm about to bring y'all some new stuff. No, I'm kidding. Uh, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. We haven't talked about this yet. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I grew up in the town where we all live and go to church. I've been attending uh, our church for about two years. I own a business that manages associations and does event planning. So really excited about that. It keeps me busy, but also gives me a lot of freedom, like the freedom to be able to go to Africa for two weeks. So Awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, we... We went to Africa together and we had some experiences. And the reason why me and Matt wanted to have Stacy on is we wanted the female perspective of it and a different perspective. Cause me and Matt, I mean, I don't know about Matt, but I get sick of my perspective of things. <laughs> yeah. I get tired of yours too. But, um, <laughs> but really, we, we started this whole podcast and it was like, you were there in the beginning. It was like, ah, oh, it's super man specific. And, uh, there might be a few men that listen to this. Uh, that's kind of what it's developed into. So we all went to Africa, and it was an experience that we all shared. But we also have separate uh, ways we interpreted that experience. Um, what are what are your some uh, what are some of your takeaways from Africa, just as a whole? Sure, um, Africa as a continent, Malawi as a country, the org. What do you? Just, what do you want? Just the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole missions. <clears throat> sure. Like your role, our role there. I almost sarcastically said, just the continent. Just the just, continent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I think that it was definitely a life changing experience. Um, <clears throat> something that. We don't often get the chance to see, to be so immersed in another culture um, was something really, really special. <laughs> and so um, what caught me off guard the most was just knowing what an impoverished country Malawi is and the joy that they all had. You know, so in, in our prep, they told us that Malawi is one of the most impoverished countries in Africa, but also one of the happiest. The people are considered some of the happiest in Africa. Yeah. And so that's a dissonance that I think we can all hold of. <clears throat> they are impoverished, but also happy. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was really interesting to me, as well as um, the Christians there that we encountered the Lord just poured out of them. Praise poured out of them. Their first instinct was to praise God for anything and everything that they have, even if it was something small, even if it wasn't very much by our standards. <clears throat> the, their their faith poured out of them, and it was just this beautiful, beautiful thing to 
encounter. Um, there's work that can be done over there. Um, <clears throat> what I love is when the Saints empowers local people, um, allowing to do a lot of that work. And so I think that's really good. They're not dependent on us to come over there and save the day, you know. And so I think that's right. really special as well. Uh, we were talking about that. That's what we've been talking about is uh, how like their faith is just so bright and so shining in like the darkness that they live in. What like we asked, we asked this question <clears throat> to each other last week. What, what would happen? What would America look like if that was introduced? If, so, if stuff like that, if that kind of mindset was introduced into our culture? Yeah. Well, it, it wouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't get very far, I don't think, which is saddens me after seeing it. Um, especially, you know, when we did the open air preaching, and I know y'all talked about that on one of your episodes already, mm -hmm. <clears throat> we weren't even supposed to be there. And within 10 minutes, we had 50 people gathered around um, <laughs> as they were worshiping. And I just think about, you know, we see people maybe with their microphone or something on the side of the road preaching. And how often do we just look away from them and think, ooh, me included. And, and that is not the appropriate response. No, not at all. You know, and so where that does happen, we think of them as weird. And Essie, um, who we, David Paterka's wife, she and I had this conversation about um, be, be the weird one, you know, because we were talking about raising our hands in church and all of this. And she was like, be the weird one. It's okay. And so I won't ever forget kind of that conversation of just a small thing that she said that really stuck with me of um, how differently things like that are um, experienced here and viewed here uh, mm -hmm. compared to there. Yeah. Essie is a very special person. I love Essie. She brightens up like your whole world, not just her world, your whole world mm -hmm. when she enters it. And David's <laughs> David is one of the most even killed people I've ever seen in my life. Like I've, he probably does, but I've never seen the dude get upset at all. The whole two weeks we lived there and like all these people like invading his home and he's still straight across yeah and, we, had, we had a team of six and we stayed in his house and borrowed his clothes <laughs> well i did <laughs> i did not um david's a lot smaller than i am but we were you know you got six people even working in the restaurant world it's like you get six people that's that's a decent group that's mm -hmm. gonna be needy mm -hmm. and it was he took it with stride yeah like, they both did it was yeah. it was amazing um so Tell us about some of your uh, stories from from Africa. Like uh, uh, me and you were put together a lot. And uh, I told the story last week. Give your perspective of the story of the food. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the most difficult um, experiences for me on the whole trip, which is weird because it's like here eat and um, I'm usually love food. Eating is not usually a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, we had this conversation about how um, they didn't have enough food to eat on a day-to-day -day basis. So the girl, uh, so just 
kind of back up to why we were totally there. They do follow up visits on girls that have graduated from the program and the counselors will actually go back, go back and check up on them and, and see how they're doing, see how their families are doing. And then that might generate some other stuff moving forward, which is something that we did see at this place. But basically they didn't have enough food um, to eat from a day to day basis. They had some bees. So the mother was trying to make beeswax and the girl felt like she needed to stay home and help the mom do that. Or the girl, if she went to school, she would go to school hungry. Mm. And so, obviously, that's not conducive to learning. So, um, that was what was really a challenge because then they come out and want to bring us food. And so, it literally, it did feel like taking food out of their mouth. And I ate it. And it tasted good. Sema is their staple food there. We had... uh, Love Sema. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we had pumpkin leaves, stewed pumpkin <laughs> leaves with it. And so, um, but I did eat about half of it and uh, thankfully just <laughs> finished it for me uh, because One I... One of the last times I remember eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish it had been maybe a little more sustenance there. Oh, yeah. But um, it was um, just this beautiful, beautiful picture of, you know, I, I what I kept thinking of was... Uh, the widow from the Bible who gave uh, mm-hmm. two coins, her last two coins into the offering and how Jesus said uh, that others gave out of their abundance and she gave all that she had. Yeah. And mm. so uh, I've prayed for provision for that family uh, since we left. Um, they also, just to bring it back to the org, what they'll now do is that family ends up having some land that they can farm, but they can't afford fertilizer right. to farm. And so now the social work program with When the Saints will go back and actually teach that family how to make fertilizer out of things that they might have on hand, like ash or collect manure or other things so that they can actually make their own fertilizer. And the counselors reiterated, yeah, we can give them food, but it'll be gone in two days. And so what I, mm-hmm. one thing I really love about the org is how they set people up uh, for sustainable uh, lifestyles and and to really um, you know feed them feed themselves long term so yeah. I thought that was one thing I learned I learned a lot from that one little trip <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that about the um, the social work program and we can talk more about that too uh, but I thought that was a really good thing that they do to it's more than just a handout it's really empowering these families and see that's what i thought too um i thought about uh because i do this because i compare cultures and what what would our system would look better if we weren't a handout culture and more of a sustain yourself teach you how to sustain yourself now, I'm not saying anything about people on welfare. That's not what I'm going. What I'm going with is instead of giving somebody groceries or something like that, if they're in a position, why not help them grow their food or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I know I know we don't live in an agricultural society, yeah. but what about being able to sustain <coughs> yourself, teaching that instead of handing them food? We're, we're more of a handout culture and Africa is more of a, no, you're going to do it. You can do it. But we'll teach you. Right. So they're more helpful. I think that that's more helpful than a handout. Absolutely. Yeah, I work, I volunteer at a place here locally who uh, we deal with, with poverty. And, and poverty here is so different than poverty there. The people that walk into the place where I volunteer, we they have iPhones. <laughs> they have their, you know what I mean? And so their poverty is is different here. They say that the county we live in um, is impoverished uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of Texas. But compared to what 
you see there in some of mm-hmm. those villages, mm-hmm. it doesn't even compare. Um, and sometimes when we try to give people tools to sustain them, sustain themselves at that org, they don't want it. They just want the handout. Mm-hmm. Where what I noticed uh, when we visited people in Malawi was that they were grateful to get the knowledge, to get mm-hmm. the stuff. Uh, one group got to go out and... They brought a family, a sewing machine and a bunch of fabric so that the mom could start a business. And they're, they're just incredibly grateful for that. And so I felt like that, um, mentality, they don't want to depend on anyone else. And so just giving them the dignity mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to provide for themselves, I think is, is a beautiful thing as well. Yeah. Like when we were in the capital city, there was, <clears throat> of course, there was some people that were begging. Because they see us and they see money and they they just want money. Outside of the capital city, <laughs> outside of the capital city, there was kids that were they were asking for bottles. They were asking us to like buy their stuff. They didn't want the handout. They were like, "Purchase my things, so I can live." Mm-hmm. So it just the way that they, I don't know, panhandled or peddled was <laughs> they had a product. Yeah, and they, they just wanted to us sell. to pick their product. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't begging like you said. It yeah. was working. I mean, yeah. it was a job. And they were kids. <laughs> Except yeah. now here in this country, <laughs> panhandling is now a, a, an occupation. Yeah, where they sit and just ask for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That just that just makes me because I have a new perspective, and I'm not speaking for the both of you, but I think you do too. We don't know true poverty. No, no, I. I mean, I've been, I've been poor, but I've never been impoverished. Yeah. There's a big difference. And we've never <laughs> been hungry, not Mm-mm. truly hungry. No, no, there's no, no way. Like, like All right, Matt, another, you mentioned them having six people in their home. Mm-hmm. One thing that, a perspective that I got that the guys didn't, trust me, that the guys didn't get <laughs> was being in the kitchen. <laughs> um, we weren't allowed. Well, yeah, that's true to a point. No, I'm kidding. Um, we So here's the thing. I can hold my own in the kitchen. I like to cook. I love to feed people uh, when they come to my home, but this was completely different. And there was... Um, one night, y'all have talked about the men's Bible study. Well, my perspective of the men's Bible study was different, obviously, because I spent that entire evening in the kitchen, uh, and it literally said on the, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to get to my point here, but it literally said on the schedule, women help in the kitchen prepare dinner. <laughs> and um, I read that and was like, ooh, Stacey's going <laughs> to lose it. <laughs> and so, um, obviously, your listeners don't know me, but I am pretty independent, uh, mm-hmm. and so... That that made me bristle a little bit, and I'm not proud of this. Let me be clear, but um, I thought, man, the guys get to go do this Bible study, and we've got to cook dinner for them. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my first reaction to that. And then as the evening went on, um, let me tell you, we did they did have six people on our team, and then they have several other people that live at the men's ministry home with them. I bet mm-hmm. for every meal we had. 11 to 12 people plus two kids to feed. Um, there were dishes coming out of our ear. I had nightmares about the dishes because <laughs> we would finish the dishes and then they would just appear. 
<laughs> but let me tell you, so as we spent like, I spent like five hours in the kitchen with Carrie and Essie and Esther and Stella. And I, I say them all by name because they've all really impacted me because I had the opportunity. Again, I like to cook. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. I know what to do in my kitchen. I did not know what to do in their kitchen with the way that they cook. They waste nothing, which from my ag background is really interesting because we waste yeah. so much food in this country. Mm-hmm. They waste nothing. And as I went into that, and I went into it a little salty, honestly, and I'm not proud of it, because when I stepped back and heard Stella singing and Carrie singing in the kitchen and just the way we got to worship the Lord that night in our own way, spending time in the kitchen with these women and um, mm. cooking dinner for everyone that night. And so I came to really enjoy my time in the kitchen, I not doing the dishes. We'll be clear. But I really came to enjoy my time in the kitchen. I learned some new things that I'm going to try here at home. Um, some new recipes, some new strategies. We laughed. We had a great time. Um, and so just in something that I felt a little bit, um, oh, not thrilled about, turned into this beautiful picture of another way to worship the Lord and to connect with these women who now are so incredibly special. It's, it makes me tear up a little bit because they're mm-hmm. so incredibly special to me um, and, and gave me just a picture into the culture there where women do have a different role to play. And, and to be clear, I, I'm all for traditional roles of men and women. I, I mean, I agree with that. Um, as an unmarried woman, it is a little different for me, but, um, mm-hmm. I agree with those traditional roles, but it was beautiful to see that play out where the women were not silenced. They were not, um, they were not put down. Um, but they got to really play out, um, what it meant to be a woman in that culture. And I, I am forever blessed and grateful for that experience. Yeah, that. Uh, it even made me cringe in there when it said that on the schedule. I was like, oh, no, because <laughs> I wasn't raised. You didn't want to eat my cooking? Is that what it was? No, no, no I had your cooking and I love your cooking. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love your cooking, but I wasn't raised like that. My mom, she did cook and stuff like that, but my dad did a lot of the cooking, too. And I was raised with my mom for a while as like as a single mother. And then when my dad would go away for work and stuff like that. But so I... I don't like my dad always did the dishes. That was his thing. My mom said, I cook, you do the dishes and I do the dishes in my house now. So I do not. (laughs) (laughs) The women are behind me. I can't see their faces, (laughs) but I do. I do a lot of the cooking. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I don't want to do dishes. I don't like to. And then, but while we're there, like I, you guys were always doing dishes and I, I felt bad. It was like, I, a lot of those are mine. There are pictures of you doing dishes. <laughs> yeah. So we broke the system. Joey and I went in there and just like, hey, let's. I came in. As soon as, as soon as I saw it was all done, I came in there. Yeah. You held some soap. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were in, we walked, we did it on pizza night, which we were thrilled to have pizza, which was different, but it wasn't Domino's by any means, but it, we had pizza. So Joey, we were like, hey, let's do dishes tonight. Like, Oh, only, <laughs> no, that's the least amount of dishes. <laughs> best time to do dishes. So <clears throat> we've got trophies and awards and people were taking pictures and it was awesome because the men were doing a couple of dishes. And the so, men of Malawi were about to run us out if we did. So <laughs> the amount of dishes done that entire time we were there, we probably did a half a percent of them. Mm-hmm. 
and I think it was in the paper. <laughs> even. Yeah, there was if they had a paper. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, there there was a lot of dishes because I did I did see that I did see how you guys had done the dishes. This was like the second night, and you guys had just finished the dishes, and then I walk in the kitchen to get some water, and there's some more dishes. I'm like, wait, how? <laughs> Nobody was eating. <laughs> Somebody was eating. <laughs> Always. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I think that one sock that goes missing in the dryer turns into a dirty dish in the sink. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's what happened. Yeah, I, lo- I lost a sock on the first time we did dishes. Oh, so it's your fault. Okay, yeah. good to know. <laughs> you can blame me. That's fine. Everybody else does. It turned into a plate. But... um. <laughs> Which was pretty critical. If we lost a sock, that was all of our laundry. So, <laughs> yeah. So I only had one sock for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so that was another big thing: is we lost our baggage. And now everybody that we've talked to is like, "Oh my gosh, how how'd you do?" So, on, in your perspective, how how did that affect your trip? Yeah, um, I actually wearing the pants tonight that I wore all through Africa. Matt's wearing the shirt. I, I know, and I never thought I would put them on again, but here they are. I threw mine away. Uh, my yeah, yeah, they needed to wash to be washed a few times. But um, so at first, I thought, man, I pa- I spent a lot of time preparing mm-hmm. everything that I was going to mm-hmm. have in there, um, and it was this beautiful picture of. I'm not great at asking for help either. And I had to sleep in someone else's clothes. You know what I mean? And so um, in that first night, I had to say, do you have anything I can wear? Do you have Mm -hmm. some shampoo that I can borrow? Do you, you know what I mean? And so it was this picture of us coming from a very independent culture. I'm Mm -hmm. a very independent person. Um, You know, we, we put locks on our front doors and we put gates up Mm -hmm. and everything. And they're having to go to a very communal culture and ask for help. And they didn't even bat an eye. They would have been offended if we didn't ask for help, (laughs) you know? And so, um, I also realized I didn't need all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That stuff didn't, that's, that didn't matter one bit to my experience on the trip. Now, I was a little bit damp the whole time we were there because <laughs> we hand washed our, Carrie and I hand washed our clothes every night. She had one bar of soap that I've never been so happy to have a bar of soap in my entire life, but we hand washed our clothes every night and you could have put them out on the line. And we did, we did a couple of times, but it rained all the time. It was humid. Mm-hmm. So we had quite the little, um, um, set up in our room with our fan but i learned a lot in that was uh, us probably looked like our room yeah it it, (laughs) it did so we uh but really just this dependence on others on the lord um Mm. and looking back at the time i was annoyed but looking back i think man that really made it that much more of a rich experience Mm -hmm. and that much more just almost uh, like he had a plan almost yes (laughs) but I, i mean i think it it was really um, something that none of us expected, um, but we, it really it made me realize all that preparation, all that time, all those things I thought I needed, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really need. <laughs> uh, Brent, the what was it? That Sunday, that Sunday after we uh, after we left and like we had finally gotten to Malawi, Brent actually did a sermon and <laughs> he compared it to the two by two to the two by two mission in the Bible. And that's how I thought about it because I was like, don't take a staff. Don't take a cha- a an extra tunic. 
And we really didn't. Now, we didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we, you know, we really just depended on other people and God. We depended on ourselves. Like, I have all the things I need and I will bring them and I will be fine. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, well, you're not going to get it. Yeah, exactly. So and who, who are you depending on? There it is. <laughs> oh, I was very proud of all the things I had in my bag. I mean, oh, yeah. like, I was going to be the most prepared person there. We all thought we were. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, I didn't. None of us like to be the person who's not prepared. Right. Yep. And, it was and, like, and I hate asking for help, too. Trust me. And your business, you're an event planner. Mm-hmm. Like, your, your job is to plan things. Yes. So it's not good when it doesn't go to plan. Right. So right. that was, it was a tough pill. But there was a, did you not feel, I felt a peace from the Lord about it, even in the, in the airports and kind of we, y'all have talked about it a little bit, but our crazy travel, yep. there's no reason why we all should have been as cool headed as we were no, and just rolling with it. And we were just like, you know, this is what it is. We were just, you know. Looking back, the Lord opened every door, every next step for mm-hmm. us, even though it didn't look the way we wanted it to. And I just look back at that and I just think how how kind he was and the, the just, you know, unnatural peace, right. <laughs> supernatural peace that we were given um, throughout all of that. And just laughing about bags and everything when you, everything. you shouldn't be laughing, honestly. No, but I just, just it turned into a joke. It like it, What still, can you do? And oh. Almost every time something happened in my head was like, what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, nothing. <laughs> There's not a single, th- I can scream at this person as much as I want, but as much as I scream, it's not going to turn into a pair of pants. And then it becomes, you ask God, <laughs> what are you going to do about that? Yeah. And so that's how it shifts. And yep. so, and he did every time. It was awesome. It didn't feel like it in the moment, but looking back. I think all that stuff would have been in the way. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't enough room in our room for the baggage. <laughs> no, because there was laundry hanging everywhere. <laughs> Could you imagine if we had a full load of laundry? Oh no. No, because because they didn't have a dryer, <laughs> and it was raining all the time, and we had to put stuff on the line, like you said. So we wouldn't have had room. It would have been clothes everywhere. Look like oh, yeah. it would have looked like our suitcases. <laughs> so a lot of your ex- previous experience also is in agriculture. Yes. So that's a, a big part of your life, and that was something that you were kind of looking into in this trip, right? Yeah. So how how did that aspect look for you with this with when the Saints their organization? Yeah. So um, I did. I do have an agriculture background. I have a degree in agriculture. Grew up with cattle and sheep and pigs and all the things. Uh, I've worked in the cattle industry. Uh, my for my career, clients now are within agriculture. So that is a reason that I was. Um, approach to go on this trip uh, because Malawi is a very agrarian society. Much of the people there are sustainable farmers. You know, one mm-hmm. thing that we heard on one of our first days was we were talking about violence and safety and um, her name was Bethany and she explained to us that hungry season started this year in November when it normally starts in February because mm. some floods came through at the end of harvest season last year and took out the entire crop. So a lot of the people weren't able to actually sell their crops. And I, that hungry yeah. season really <laughs> resonated with me because yeah. again, we don't, we don't have we, hungry season. We have, we have football season, right. baseball season, <laughs> fire season. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff we're used to, but it's hungry season. Hungry like, season. Yeah. So that, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> kind of makes it, kind of makes it uh, a little less important. 
Yeah, so, and then when the Saints does have an agriculture operation there, and I was actually able to talk to them a little bit ahead of time, um, Ulimu, who is the one that manages their agricultural operation there, he, we had some communication beforehand, and then after, we've been able to communicate after, so it's been really neat to have this connection to agriculture in Malawi now, because mm-hmm. I, it is different than what we do here, um, and so within when the Saints, they have... Um, I think 12 acres is what they told me of uh, primarily corn is what mm-hmm. they raise. And then once the corn is harvested, uh, they use this rainy season for water right now on the corn. Corn takes a right. lot of water. So they use the rainy season right now. Once the corn is harvested, that'll be turned into white corn flour and put up. And they actually use that to make SEMA. Mm-hmm. And so they use that to feed the girls at the home throughout the year. Um, they also have various other crops. They have some banana trees that they had just planted. Um, they have horticultural crops, so they'll, they'll grow tomatoes. They have a garden. Um, we planted some sweet potatoes really poorly. Um, pretty sure they had to go do that again. And they it's like, actually hey. took the tool from us yeah. that we were using <laughs> and said, go, go. But, but they were so nice about yeah. it. They, they were. were. <laughs> big, bright smile, like, yeah. you're going to have to redo all this, huh? And they just... Yeah. Looked at us. Yes, we are. Uh-huh. Yeah. They did not lie. And I have an ag background in a garden every year, and it's still do. Anyway, I don't raise sweet potatoes. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, no. Um, so they have an orchard as well with mangoes. We ate so many mangoes oh, while we were mangoes. there. They have several different trees. Mm. Um, they have a few head of cattle. Uh, but the one, the thing Ulimu is most proud of, Ulimu is most proud of is the pigs. So oh, when he yeah. started about mm. a year ago, they had four pigs. They have close to 50 now. And so um, he has done a lot with with genetics and you'll see some of the products in the barn there like ivermectin that you might see here so i mm-hmm. thought that was really um neat uh, the pigs look very different <laughs> than they do. they do here um <laughs> they look more feral like they do. like our hogs that are wild yes mm-hmm. yes they've got that long snout mm-hmm. and they're not they don't have as much meat on them frankly but they sell those live um, and one thing that they let us know is they actually might use the pigs or any of the ag commodities, but the pigs primarily in their social <clears throat> work program. So if a family is trying to start a business raising pigs, they might give them a male and female pig um, to start their business. And out of that first litter, then when the saints will um, take a male and female pig out of the litter, but then they mm-hmm. get to keep the rest of the litter and the adult pigs. So it just allows them to start that program. So they, yeah. yeah, So they use their ag program within that. Um, So it was just really neat. You know, they use fertilizer, they do all those things, but um, agriculture is a huge thing there in Malawi and you drive up and down the roads, they're farming right up to the road, tobacco being uh, their biggest crop and corn as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a lot of peanuts. They called them ground nuts. Um, You see, um, other things I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but they, they had some other crops and, um, but corn tobacco being the primary crops that you see there. So it's just a really special thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, originally they had said, well, maybe you could help them. And and it turns out I couldn't help them. They were already doing a good job. So all I could do was leave some encouragement. Mm -hmm. Um, I've gotten pictures since then of a, one of their cows calved. So that's been really special. I have found okay. some resources, a couple actually in Chichewa that I've been able to send on to them. So that's been, I don't know if they've used it or if it's been helpful, <laughs> right. but um, it has been really neat to keep that communication open. That's so I cool. was amazed. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying that's so cool. Like, uh, hmm. I was amazed when, uh, when they were taking us around and like you said, he turned this many pigs into this many. I was just amazed. And it was just so cool. Like everybody said, okay, we're going to go help. We're going to go help. We 
we didn't really need to help. I think we were there just more as a, as like a fact finding body. I think more mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah, I think that's exactly observation is how I felt. Yeah, <laughs> just to see if this org yeah. and like honestly, like all of us got to meet Dave and Nessie uh, before this, right? Previous, yeah. yeah, previously. So we all knew what kind of people they were, mm-hmm. and so we knew that if David's doing it, then it would be fine the org but we just went there and was like <laughs> and that was that was kind of the common thing was everybody said they steward their resources very well oh yeah um all their money is going to the right places all their i mean like i said they raise the pigs and stuff and they sell it and it all goes back to the safe home because it all comes back to protecting these girls mm-hmm. from all the violence and abuse and there's just there's so many things that are going on there with those girls that it'll make, it'll make you sick. And I don't want to talk too much on that, but they're not treated well. And they are brought into this safe home and it is amazing. Mm -hmm. They do such a great job and they turn them around. They have a wonderful counseling team Mm -hmm. and then they have counselors for the counselors, Mm -hmm. you know, cause not only they're just so enrooted with these girls that it, that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Um, so, Actually, expanding on that, like, I don't know if you know this or not. Me and Matt are not exactly planners or researchers <laughs> as such. Yeah, you, my job I is not planning. I am aware. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you, however, are like, everything has to be so and planning and... Uh, I sound so fun. You yeah. are. <laughs> Come on, you're here. No. Um, well, what about... Uh, tell us about like your research on the organization and what you know about when the saints, cause we've talked about our experiences, but I know, I know Matt, me and you were talking about it, that we need to focus on. And then, and then Annie said, we need to focus on the, on the actual org. Yeah. Cause we're so good at it that we went an entire episode just calling it the organization and didn't even say the name. So we're, <laughs> we're on the ball. Not planners, like I said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I would love to talk about When the Saints. Thank you for the chance to talk about them. I um, kind of believed in what they were doing before we went, but after being there, mm-hmm. um, really am just on board with what they're they're doing. And, and I want to be clear, I could get some of this stuff wrong. This is what I've pulled from their website, what I gleaned from conversations while we were there, questions that I asked. Um, but basically, like if you go to their website, it says bringing healing to both the oppressed and the oppressors in Malawi. Hmm. And I think that's really um, says a lot. And that's that's really a reflection of, of Christ. Um, and so there's way more to the organization than what we what we thought way more than what I thought once we got there, you know, we knew about the safe home. And so, um, basically what happens, they get a report of abuse. They go check it out. Justin and I got to go on a new case assessment, um, where the girl actually came back to the safe home with us and um, it was. was And so, uh, but as we were, you know, on that outing, we got to talk to, to Rosalind, who is the, uh, head counselor, (laughs) uh, firecracker of a woman me and her went back and forth you did (laughs) (laughs) um and and she got to talk about just um one thing that stood out to me about her was she gets to go to court with the girls sometimes (laughs) and so she um she said that the girls get intimidated you know because they're not used to being 
in, in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. They have to face their abuser. Because um, we were just talking about how many abusers actually get caught. You know, in, in the U.S., we have at least the expectation. Our justice system is not perfect, but we have the expectation that people that mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. will be caught and tried and it'll be, you know, a fair trial and all that. They, they don't have that. They don't have that luxury in Malawi. So when she gets to go to court with the girls, um, she tells them if they get scared to just look at her, that she's their safe place, that she's going to be there. And I asked her if she ever gets intimidated. And she just <laughs> turned and looked at me and said, no, that she welcomes the opportunity. And I just mm. um, really knew in that moment that she was the advocate that these girls need. She and all of the counselors, all the staff, everyone are advocating for these these girls. So um, I need to move a little faster here, but <laughs> there's uh, yeah, we so got all the time we, we have control this, it. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay, I'll settle in. No, uh, we have uh, the, we knew about the safe home. The girls go for six months to a year through trauma counseling. Uh, they go through a program. One of those things is they have to, they they get to share about their story. We got to hear one of those girls' stories. It was really um, horrific. Uh, but it's part of their healing process to be able to talk about it. And some of the counselors shared their stories of abuse with us as well and why they're mm-hmm. doing the work that they're doing. They also have a school that uh, the girls up to high school go to as well as it's open to some of the community kids. Mm-hmm. They do have to pay a little bit to come, but they, they have over 200 kids in the school. There are currently 70, around 75 to 80 girls in the safe home. Mm-hmm. Um they uh, also, we've talked a little bit about the social work program that they have. Um, we've talked about the agriculture stuff. Another thing I know y'all have discussed is the men's ministry, which was something that was really um, uh, impactful to me as that's the oppressed and the oppressors. They're going out and sharing the gospel into these villages with the men. And there was something too, when we went to the standing men's standing Bible study, the women were there too. And McLeod, so McLeod is uh, the head of their social work program. And he and Akeem preached that day. And uh, McLeod's kind of a, you know, he was kind of a quiet quiet. guy. And then until it was time to talk about Jesus. And this Mm. man came to life and it was, I had tears in my eyes. It was just incredible um, to see. But he was also talking to the women there um, because apparently divorce is a big thing and so he was trying to talk to the women about don't just leave your husband because something seemingly better comes along because some of this abuse is happening by stepfathers and so they're really coming in and they're trying to teach that sexual integrity to men to the women to teach their sons and daughters and so really they're trying to get at the root of the problem Mm. and at the end of the day just share the gospel you know Mm -hmm. akeem um the men's ministry leader, I asked him if he ever gets tired. And this is something that will always stick with me. He said, whenever I get weary, I remember all the lost souls that need Jesus. And it energizes me in the spirit. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's what we need to, we Mm. should be so grieved by the lost souls that need Jesus that we know we never stop. But back to the organization. (laughs) So, um, you know, they, uh, do a lot of things with the community. They're very well respected in the community. They have working relationships with the police, which I think is really special. Um, so yeah, they're doing a lot. And, and again, I will say that I, I agree. They steward their resources really, really well. They are funded through, um, they have a, a, a 
fundraiser coming up in April uh, in St. Louis where they'll actually raise money, but you can Mm -hmm. also always give to them. Um, They have partners with churches. I don't know if Hilltop's officially done that yet, but like Hilltop who then support their work. And so I know I have zero qualms about giving financially to the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked up some of their paperwork and um, they're doing a lot. And let me tell you that our American money goes a long way. So if we can give, (laughs) you know, any, if you only have 50 bucks to give them, they can make 50 bucks uh, matter. Trust me. And they're going to. And so that organization is just really, I think um, a bright spot in Malawi. And um, they have a plan for, um, Moving forward, they have, it's called their growth plan. It's on their website and it's 2023 to 2027 and it's what they want to do, you know. And so their values, I liked these and I think this is where I kind of uh, resonate with the organization. Their values are centered around Christ dignity and empowerment. And I think we Mm. saw that, that that's what they're doing there. So they want to expand their safe home capacity to respond to the demand. Mm. That hurts a little, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. To respond to the demand. They want to grow the gospel impact in 60 villages by 2027. They want to restore multitudes of Malawan men to integrity. Uh, They want to ensure long-term stability to girls, the ministry, and Malawi. And so, um, yeah, so there's some steps on their website. I would really encourage you to go visit whenthesaints.com. And if you also want to go check out um, on Amazon, there's actually a documentary called Mm -hmm. When the Saints. Very good. It is. And it goes into kind of David's initial um, start of the organization, where... Mm -hmm how the Lord gave him this vision of this org, even down to how they got their initial land mm-hmm. um, and just the steps that he took. And my goodness, can't we all learn a lesson from him in, in stepping out in <coughs> obeying the Lord and just really taking those next steps, no matter how big they feel. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's just another um, he's, he's, really out there and he listened to the Lord. And I think that is something we can all, it doesn't, we don't all have to do something like this either, but I think no. it's some, it's a good lesson for us, but go watch that documentary. Um, their website is really informative. Their social media is great too, because they'll put out, they have, they are on donor C. So that's uh, D O N O R S E E donor C. And they put all of their current projects out there. So mm-hmm. you know, we met Stella Stella's trying to go to college. And so they put out there, help Stella go to college, and we could pay mm-hmm. for her a whole semester of her college for $360. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stella know? was an amazing young lady. Yes. She just, like, she was there with us the whole time. Like, she was just amazing. You mm-hmm. could see the future yeah. in her. It was and, and her story of what she's overcome mm-hmm. and to be there. And I just, I was, yeah. Again, and every person we encountered had some story like that. So it was really. And she's trying cool. to go through school to be a counselor. She is. Well, she's good. Social work social is work, the sorry. degree. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she may want to be. A, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. But she said um, she just wanted to help the girls. She did. She did. Yeah. And she's yeah. quite the uh, she's quite the price haggler. On the, I mean, I mean, she got me an African shirt that I haven't worn yet, but uh, she got me an African shirt for half of what the guy wanted. I was like, whoa! I thought I was tough. <laughs> so talking about our money going a long way there, like they have a little shop there, mm. and they sell some of the goods there. And of course, we went in there because they had cold glass bottle cokes. Mm-hmm. 
and it cost and yeses. Yeah, yes was an energy drink there. I think it was just Red Bull syrup. Yep, that's all it was. And it was yes with two s's. And then, but we're drinking these cokes, and they're like, "Yeah, that's five hundred quacha." Like that, I don't know what that means. And then I ended up doing the math later. It was like thirty cents. Yeah, it wasn't that much at all. I was like, "This is amazing." So yeah, <laughs> we could go there and be millionaires. <laughs> yeah, fifty dollars. Like yeah, that's. Yeah, it'll do so much. I've seen just um, on their social media a couple of things recently. They, of course, anytime I see a cow on there, I stop and and watch what they <laughs> whatever they're doing. But they put a thing out, you know, feed our livestock for two months, and they, I think it was two hundred dollars. I mean, oh. to feed every, you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. so there are a lot of ways that you can help that aren't just mm-hmm. monthly giving. Um, but what I like is they give that personal chance, yeah, personal opportunity. Now they blur out the the faces of any of the girls. Mm-hmm. You might see them standing there with one of the counselors on their social media. Um, and the counselor will talk about their experience and what they need and all of this. They blur it out. They are very um protective great word yes protective of mm-hmm. the girls as they should be and i really admired that um but there <coughs> are it's a great way to interact and kind of see what some immediate needs are so go follow mm-hmm. them on um social media as well if that's your jam and um how old am i if that's your jam <laughs> um i i understood it <laughs> okay, everybody in this room laughed so we're all okay old. oh that's <laughs> Okay. That's almost that's almost as bad as radical. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so if you would help, that'd be totally tubular. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're laughing, but it's uh, it was really it was really great to hear your perspective of it. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to to come and you know hang out and talk about what I think personally was a life-altering decision that I actually listened to Jesus for once and went to a place that mm-hmm. was, I'd, I'd never, I mean, I'd been overseas, but <laughs> only working in the military. Mm-hmm. And I never really went anywhere like that. All the places we went to were touristy stuff. Yeah. And, but it was just, it was just awesome to hear your perspective. And uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was really special to get to, to talk about it. And uh, if you want, um, would you close us out in prayer, please? I'd be happy to. Yes. Lord, we come to you today and we're just so, so grateful for who you are, um, for who you are here, for who you are in Africa, that you're unchanging, that you're the same God here, the same God there. And um, I pray that we can learn from from them and let our praise of you just flow out of us, that you deserve it all. You are doing mighty, mighty work and let us see it. And I just pray that um, you're doing this work around us. And I pray that that we want to be a part of it. Your work is going to get done either way. So, Lord, don't let someone else do the work that you've appointed to me. So make sure that you nudge me along and um, help us to do the work that you've appointed to us. Lord, we lift up when the saints to you each and every person that makes that place run day to day. We lift up the leadership, the counselors, everybody there, all the staff and the girls as well. And Lord, we just pray that that they would realize that they are your daughters. And Lord, we just pray that um, you would put your hand on that organization. And we just thank you for the opportunity to see it, 
Thank you for stripping away things like clothes and bags and things that we didn't need and to let us see you move there. And Lord, we're just so grateful for this time spent together. Let those memories not fade and uh, hopefully let this spur someone else along, someone who's listening uh, to want to make a difference. And, and maybe you can't go to Africa. Maybe that's not part of what you can do, but you can you can lift them up in prayer. You can support them in other ways, Lord. So we just pray that um, you would bless that organization. We're just so grateful for this time spent together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, this was a very special episode. <laughs> it was very, very special. So until next time, I'm Justin. And I'm Matt. And you've been listening to Bible Bros. Later. Thanks, dudes. This has been Bible Bros. And remember, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Thank you for listening.